This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Let's Talk Ideas.org, your budget friendly custom design firm in Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Tropical Storm Fiona to bring heavy rains to the Leeward Islands this evening. Latin America and Caribbean face growing climate change risks. Haiti imports 97.6% of goods from the Dominican Republic in more than seven years. Trinidad and Tobago Prime Minister Rowley and other CARICOM leaders meet U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris. U.S. Embassy Bridgetown resumes processing in-person appointments in all non-immigrant visa categories and St. Lucia breaking records with visitor arrivals, local events, and hotel developments. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, September 16th. We start a report today with a look at Tropical Storm Fiona that is moving towards the Leeward Islands. The U.S. National Hurricane Center reports Tropical Storm Fiona is centered near 15.8 north and 58.8 west, or 150 nautical miles east of Guadeloupe, moving west at 13 knots, with maximum sustained wind speed at 45 knots, with gusts up to 55 knots. Wave heights are currently peaking at 20 to 22 feet near the northeastern center of the storm. Fiona is forecast to maintain a westward motion with a gradual decrease in forward speed expected through Saturday night or early on Sunday, followed by a turn towards the west-northwest later on Sunday. On the forecast track, the center of Fiona is expected to move across the Leeward Islands tonight and early Saturday and move near or just south of the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico late Saturday into Sunday. Tropical storm conditions are expected across portions of the northern Leeward Islands within the warning area beginning this evening. Heavy rains from Fiona will reach the Leeward Islands this afternoon, spreading to the British and U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico Saturday into Sunday morning and reaching eastern Hispaniola on Sunday. The rainfall may produce considerable flood impacts, including flash and urban flooding along with mudslides in areas of high terrain, particularly the southern part of Puerto Rico and eastern Dominican Republic. Swells generated by Fiona are beginning to affect the Leeward Islands and will spread westward to the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico on today through Saturday. These swells could cause life-threatening surf and rip current conditions. Check with your local weather office for more details. And from Fiona, we now take a look at growing climate change risk facing Latin America and the Caribbean. The St. Kitts Nevis Observer via Rodgers reports, rating agency Moody Investors Service says Latin America and the Caribbean face multiple and increasing frequent risk from a changing climate with the risk highest for the region's energy and extractive sectors. The dangers include sea level rise, unprecedented fires, droughts, flood, and extreme weather, with dangers to credit quality across various geographic 
geographic regions and industry, Moody said. The rating agency added in a report that episodic hazards such as hurricanes, wildfires, and floods can be severe, concentrated, and sometimes immediately damaging to profitability and cash flow and therefore to ratings. In Brazil, climate change is threatening crop loss and productivity, while changes in rainfall, heavy waves, and droughts are upsetting grain production and trade in Argentina, the report added. Argentina's farming zones are facing the driest conditions in around 30 years. Agriculture and weather experts said raising fears about a new great drought and stalling planting of corn in the world's number three exporter of grain. Mexico's agricultural producers are susceptible to weather-related events that affect the harvest of corn, the country's biggest crop, while water stress is complicating Chile's mining, agriculture, and hydropower operations, said Moody. Other water-intensive industries, such as beverage producers, will face higher costs from increasing water scarcity and droughts. In Peru, flood and sea levels pose direct threats to the Andean nation's fishing, protein, and agricultural sectors, while its mining sector faces some risk from geographic concentration, the report concluded. Now on to Haiti, where it's reported that 97.6% of imported goods are from the Dominican Republic. Dominican Today reports exports to neighboring Haiti continue to occupy a second place as a destination for Dominican sales, whose exchange remains very much in favor of Dominicans because that country imports 97.64% of its goods, needs and barely trades 2.4% as exported goods to this part. According to official data between 2015 and January and July 2021, Haiti bought Dominican goods equivalent to 97.6% of the commercial exchange with the Dominican Republic. The products that Haiti has formally purchased are mainly cotton fabrics, Portland cement, wheat flour, soybean oil, plates, sheets, sheets and strips of non-cellular polymer and ethylene, sweet cookies, paper and cardboard boxes, and other items for table or kitchen use. Other products occupy more than half the purchase, 54.1%. It is inferred that they correspond to basic foodstuff. In the first seven months of this year, Haiti purchased goods from the Dominican Republic valued at more than $678.2 million. An analytical report by the consulting firm DASA prepared for the Dominican Association of Exporters indicates that in the first half of this year, 2022, exports to Haiti grew 30.6%, equivalent to the value of $680 million. According to the report, in recent years, there has been an exodus from Haiti to the Dominican Republic due to the neighboring territories' social, economic, and political instability. Next up, CARICOM leaders meet with U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris. 
Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports the Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago, Dr. Keith Rowley, and other CARICOM leaders met with U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris on Thursday in Washington, D.C. to discuss energy, finance, and food security. Those present include CARICOM Chairman Suriname President Santoki, Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley, Guyana's President Dr. Mohamed Ifram Ali, and Dominican Republic President Louis Abner. The Trinidad and Tobago Office of the Prime Minister said, with respect to energy security, the potential of the hydrocarbon resources in the region was discussed with a focus on how these resources can be part of the solution to the current global difficulties. At the ninth summit of the Americas in Los Angeles in June, the U.S., CARICOM, and the Dominican Republic agreed to set up three high-level action committees to develop near-term solutions to the challenges, and since June, nearly a dozen meetings have been held to strategize on energy security, finance, and food security. Thursday's meeting also focused on reviewing progress to date in these critical action areas. Now on to the U.S. Embassy in Bridgetown, Barbados, where it has resumed processing of in-person appointments in all non-immigrant visa categories. Antigua and Barbuda Newsroom reports the U.S. Embassy in Bridgetown, Barbados has resumed processing of routine in-person appointments in all non-immigrant visa categories starting September 20, 2022. The Department of State has authorized consular officers to waive the in-person interview requirement for certain categories of non-immigrant visa applicants through December 31, 2022. In travel news, St. Lucia is breaking record with visitor arrivals, local events, and hotel developments. St. Lucia Times reports tourism is growing and thriving in St. Lucia as the winter vacation season approaches, according to the St. Lucia Tourism Authority. This year, to date, has been record-breaking visitor arrivals to the return of events and a significant number of tourism developments. St. Lucia's Tourism Minister Dr. Ernest Hilaire said, Our record-breaking tourism figures from July, paired with our successful carnival event this summer, has set the stage for what is shaping up to be an incredible winter tourism season for St. Lucia. In July 2022, St. Lucia recorded more than 39,000 visitors, the most outstanding performance and the largest number of stayover arrivals in any one month period since the COVID-19 crisis began. By the end of July, St. Lucia had recovered 80% of 2019 arrivals from global markets. St. Lucia welcomed more than 10,000 visitors during its carnival festivities. This was the first major international event since the pandemic and has set the stage for the return of other events, such as the much-anticipated St. Lucia Jazz and Arts Festival, which will return from May 5th to 14, 2023, after a three 
year hiatus. The festival will return to its original format, including R&B, hip hop, reggae, and Latin music, as well as showcase of local artists. Saint Lucia is continuously providing new vacation options for visitors, and is thrilled that its rapidly expanded adventure offerings recently landed Saint Lucia the designation as the Caribbean's leading adventure destination by the World Travel Awards. And here's our final note for today: Jamaican churches being targeted for restorative justice training. Jamaica Information Service reports Jamaica's Ministry of Justice is calling on members of churches, faith-based organizations across Jamaica, to take advantage of the training being offered in restorative justice practices. The minister was speaking in the House of Representatives on September 13th, where he provided an update on the restorative. Justice program. He said the leaders of 13 umbrella group of churches signed a memorandum of understanding to train church members and leaders in restorative justice practices. This group of 13 represents over 3,000 congregations across Jamaica. A point to note is that once these church members and leaders are trained, they will join a total of 2,398 teachers, students, and parents. Who have been recently trained in 81 schools across the island, Mr. Chuck said. We plan to train approximately 25 members of every congregation over a two-day period in restorative practices. The church members will be trained in areas such as convening restorative circles in which persons can address issues causing conflicts and have them resolved. Mr. Chuck noted that the restorative justice program has been successful, with statistics. Indicating that for the past four years, more than 7,000 conflicts have been referred for settlement. Those referred by the courts constitute 78% of the cases. Of the approximate 6,000 cases coming from the courts, over 90% were successfully completed. These, along with referrals from the community and recommendations by the police, bring the overall success rate to approximately 80%. The minister noted that by reaching out. To the churches, the ministry hopes that more matters of abuse, harm, and wrongdoing can be referred to the restorative justice centers, where the parties can get together to find healing and forgiveness. Most cases of physical abuse and emotional hurt are between parties well known to each other. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com and to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, September 16th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.